Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Race for the Case on the Yahoo College Sports Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving week to everybody. Uh, Hopefully you are getting some time off, some family time, and certainly some football time. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, lots of huge games. This is the best week of the year for me as far as I'm concerned with football. Tons of rivalry games, lots at stake in a lot of games, championships being decided, playoff bids being either secured or lost. So there's a lot going on. And... Pete Thamel, welcome into the podcast, but I want you to know your rally is late starting. You are still down 10 beers in the race for the case, and uh, you need to get it down under a six-pack before the last media timeout, so to speak. Well, much like you and I can drink 10 beers in one sitting, Pat, uh, I feel like I'm still in the game I just just enough where you can't shut it off you know like it's like a it's like a two possession football game with like six minutes left I I can onside kick I can fake punt uh there's there's a lot of things I can still do here so I I I like my little comfortable underdog role too and uh I'm gonna I am going to start strategically picking against you um or what I assume you will pick in order to uh in order to either hasten my comeback or uh make a lead it's time to uh it's time to throw my cards on the table yeah I think you you uh you need a little rally time here uh but yeah it could still happen since we're going three beers per game now at this point of the season and uh I mean heck you get six right I get six wrong and suddenly I owe you a bunch so I don't see that happening me getting six wrong please but. Only that one week when that did happen. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I okay. think that was week one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The the le- the least less likely thing is you getting six right. So. Oh, that is that is very unlikely to happen. But, <laughs> but we've got great games to pick. Important games, uh, as I said, rivalry games, and hopefully give you guys something to uh, listen to and chew on along with your turkey and stuffing as you churn through the uh, the holiday week here. Uh, obviously, Pete, let's start with the big game uh, in terms of most impact on the rankings, the playoff championships, and perhaps a coaching future or two. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and you and I, Dan, talked about that game quite a bit on uh, the the main podcast for the week. But hey, you know, this is the Picks podcast, and we're certainly not going to bypass the biggest game. Michigan. Going to Columbus, uh, 
0-3 under Jim Harbaugh against Urban Meyer. Urban with a six-game winning streak of his own. You see, he's 6-0. and He's never lost to Michigan in this uh, since he's been at Ohio State. So he has owned the rivalry. Harbaugh has been owned. But Michigan has the better team on paper and I think to, the, to most eye tests uh, for everybody that's been watching both of them. Wolverines have played really well since losing the first game of the season to Indiana. Uh, Ohio State has been really kind of bobbing and weaving their way to 10-1 uh, and one at this point. Very fortunate to beat uh, Maryland last week by a point. They beat Penn State by a point. They beat Nebraska by five. So they've been uh, much more vulnerable. But huge game, rivalry game. You have to throw out the records maybe to a degree. Michigan is a four-point favorite. Pete, you're going to be there. You're going to be covering this game for us. Uh, give us your insight, please. Well, obviously, micro and macro stakes are huge in this game. Fascinating game on so many levels. Fascinating game on the field. Ohio State is the putrid on defense. They've been erratic at times on offense. They've been one-dimensional. Uh, they have some tremendous talents. Uh, obviously, Dwayne Haskins is proven to be the most prolific quarterback in Ohio State history. J.K. Dobbins, uh, especially with Mike Weber out last week, really showed some diamondism that maybe we haven't really seen much from him this year, quite frankly. Um, and then there's the bad, which is uh, Isaiah Prince is the single most susceptible to false starting offensive lineman I've ever seen in my years of watching college football. He does it against good teams. He does it against bad teams. He does it at home. He does it on the road, in a boat, in a moat. And that unit has just drastically underachieved considering their size, their strength, their recruiting prospect. I really think that that unit is going to be overhauled no matter what happens in, in the head coaching chair by the, by the end of next season. And I think that's been the root, a lot of Ohio state's inconsistency on the offensive line. Um, defensively, they've been a hot mess. I do think it's a confluence of Nick Bosa's injury, a lot less talent in the secondary than they've had. Um, a linebacking crew that has been virtually just non-existent all season and very unproductive. Um, and I think we'll see changes uh, on that side of the ball as well as this year goes. Uh, they are the the most drama-filled 10-1 team in the history of college football, on field, off the field. They have been on the precipice of uh, seemingly collapsing. They do deserve some credit for holding it together. Um Fascinating matchup in this, uh, making some calls yesterday. A couple people pointed this out to me. So you have Ryan Day, who's you know the hot young offensive coordinator, other than Tony Elliott, probably the hottest coordinator prospect for jobs. Then you have Don Brown, who you know few will argue is the best defensive coordinator in the in the country. Um, obviously, his units tend to always finish first, so that's usually a uh, usually a pretty good sign. So not only were Ryan Day and Don Brown the offensive and defensive coordinator at Boston College for two seasons, Adazio's first two years there. But when Ryan Day was a player at UNH, he went up against Don Brown as a uh, as a coordinator and coach. Don Brown coached Ryan Day's brother at UMass, and there's been at least four or five other instances that they've been across the field from each other and playing in some sort of instance. Not to mention the hundreds of practices, spring practices, and spring game at BC. So... You know, you can say, oh, those two really know each other. No, no, no. Those two really know each other. Like, I, I mean, decades of knowing each other. So, um, fun chess match there. Okay. 
every fiber of my being thinks Michigan's going to win this game. And every fiber of common sense says Michigan's going to win this game. But I am trailing in the race of the case, and I know what Pat's <laughs> pick is because I read the dash, as all our readers should read the dash because it's required reading. So I am going to take Ohio State. Every scout I talk to, every coach I've talked to who's played one of the teams has picked Michigan. Vegas is picking Michigan. Um Urban Meyer hasn't up been a home underdog we talked about in the last podcast since 2003, which I think is another stat I stole from the Dash when he was at Utah. Um, so there is every bit of momentum and common sense says Michigan in this game. So that said, I'm going to take the Buckeyes and the points and start the greatest comeback in FA sports gambling history. <laughs> okay, well. You know, we'll see if you can be Captain Comeback. Uh, that would require beating Captain Comeback here in this Woo! one. That was Jim. Woo! Yes, Jim. Jim Harbaugh's uh, NFL nickname when he was with the Colts. Uh, but yeah, we we uh, we do we are going opposite sides on this one. I think Michigan's not just going to win, but potentially smash Ohio State. I just think that uh, Ohio State, is, as we noted, has kind of just been teetering uh on the brink here and when they have lost in the last couple of years as i noted uh, gosh a couple of months ago that whenever they lost to purdue it seems to be like a complete fall apart you know get routed sort of loss so i think that is possible here the line at four if i were an actual better would would attract me to this game although again road game team that's never an underdog and that is correct 2003 urban's first year at utah was the last time he was a home dog which is pretty crazy. But who did they play? I don't know. I don't ah, know that. I hope it was like Wyoming or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid I, I, I didn't get that that part of the information. Dag on it, but it did. It, it did interest me to see that they were favored against Texas A&M to start his second year, which was the beginning of that great undefeated year. I covered that game. It was the first game I covered for ESPN, as a matter of fact, and they just blew the doors off of Texas A&M and Dennis Francione. And it was the beginning of Urban's ascension and the beginning of Dennis Francione's uh, obsolescence, really. But I I digress. Uh, This game in particular, yeah, I just think – I don't think Ohio State's defense can stand up. I think that they're going to get a whole ton of Karan Higdon uh, between the tackles. They're going to get some jet sweep. They're going to get some uh, zone read from Shea Patterson, who's been pretty effective at that. Uh, and then they're going to get mixed in the uh, the play action passing, and Patterson's going to be able to I think hurt him either way. And then you know I, I it'll be a really good matchup strength on strength with uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, Haskins playing the way he is in those really good wide receivers who make plays against a great secondary, the number one pass defense in America, and it's really it's a three level defense because it is they can rush the passer up front, they can hit you with blitzes. Uh, Devin Bush is gonna gonna you know be in the face of of Haskins, but then the secondary really covers and really hits. So uh, that that will be a really fun matchup. Just watching, as you said, the Day Brown uh, chess match there. But I do think the chess pieces. There's more good chess pieces on Michigan's side. So I'm taking Michigan. You're taking Ohio State. You're gonna be there. You're gonna write a column. People are gonna want to read that. Keep that in mind over the holiday weekend, please. Um, let's talk about game. Tuesday night, I'm sorry, Friday night, not Tuesday night, Friday night, uh, which will be huge for the Big 12. That's Oklahoma at West Virginia. If the Sooners win, they win the regular season in the Big 12 and they keep their playoff hopes alive going into the very bad idea Big 12 championship game. 
against either, I believe it would be Texas or West Virginia, right? Now, Texas goes if, if West Virginia loses, I believe. So Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so we could have Red River 2, um, Electric hey, sign Boogaloo. sign me up for that. Red River 1 was great. Yeah, it really was. I mean, that would be a very fun game. Uh, and it, especially if, if Oklahoma is playing to, to again, keep uh, playoff hopes alive in the big 12 championship game, but they got to win in Morgantown. The Oklahoma defense has been an atrocity, but the Oklahoma offense has been probably the best in the country at this point. The game, as I said, in Morgantown, I don't know what the weather forecast is. I hope there's snow. I hope it's bitter. There's going to be a lot of fireball. We know that. Uh, what do you think there, Pete? Ohio, <laughs> Oklahoma favored by one and a half. I'm on my weather app now searching for Morgantown, and instead of a sun yeah. or a rain cloud, there's a fireball logo. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, I uh, I am going to uh, go all in on the Sooners here. I just think this is, a, this is an offense, offense, offense league, and that is a resplendent offense, and I think they'll figure out a way to overcome their, their terrible defense. I'm fascinated, Pat who Oklahoma will hire as a DC because if they get a middling guy in at that position, um, if there's one thing Lincoln Riley has proven, he could win with Wetzel at quarterback. <laughs> Wetzel does not have good lateral movement for those of, for those of you who've never seen him run the 40. Um, so he's never, he's never run 40 yards consecutively. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Unless there was like a keg at the end of the 40 yards. Um, by the way, Friday in Morgantown, you know, pleasant day. Uh, high yeah, of forty-eight, man. low of thirty-three. Sounds Whoa. like pretty good, pretty good drinking weather. Um, yeah. There's a, little, there's a little sun logo. No, no fireball logo yet, but that'll change uh, after th- after Thanksgiving. So, um, <laughs> I look forward to a rowdy environment there. Uh, I know a lot of NFL scouts are actually going to be at that game because uh, this is you know one of your last chances to see uh, to see Will Greer who you know, could end up sneaking into the first round as a, uh, as, as a quarterback. So no, I, I just think that that Oklahoma defense will make like two stops and figure it out. And yeah, buck buckle up. That'll be 49, 48. Oh yeah. But I guess it'd have to be 49, 47. Uh, Cause I need, <laughs> I need OU to get the two points. I think it's one yeah, and a half. There you right? go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. If it's 49, 48 or 48, 49, if it were, uh, then, then yeah, West Virginia will cover. I'm, I'm going to go with you on the Sooners. I just, I, their offense is darned impressive. I will give them credit. I mean, remember uh, Rodney Anderson, the running back, got oh, hurt, yeah. no, and sure. everybody's like, oh, it's a huge blow. Well, it hasn't been a huge blow. Uh, they've, they've, <laughs> they've got several productive running backs who have really done well, and receivers are outstanding. The quarterback is outstanding. That offense has uh, has done its job, and the defense has been bad. But again, I think yes, you you get into this shootout situation, and it's like if you can make the other guy punt a couple of times, you've got a chance because they may not be able to make Oklahoma punt a couple of times. So, uh, should be a lot of fun, fun game on Friday night. Uh, I know both of us were kind of looking and scheming whether it would be possible to cover that at eight o'clock in Morgantown and get to Columbus by noon on Saturday. Really not possible when it's about three plus hour drive under normal conditions, not when there's 105,000 people descending on the horseshoe. And, you know, when that's the one misnomer I think a lot of people don't understand. When we cover games, it's not like you just leave the stadium when it's over. We're there till, you know, 2 a.m. or whatever. So, so unfortunately, that game, we will not be, we will not be double dipping that one. But the game I will be covering, 
on Saturday, Notre Dame at USC. And while that doesn't figure to be a nail-biter the way Oklahoma, West Virginia, and possibly Michigan, Ohio State are, it is a huge game because if Notre Dame wins, they're in. They don't have to mess with a championship game. Uh, they are undefeated. There is no way a 12 0 Notre Dame team isn't getting in, no matter what else happens anywhere. So, if Notre Dame goes to Los Angeles, where they have had some crushing losses over the years, and takes care of business against USC, they are in. They are an 11 point favorite. And that's because USC is terrible. And USC has fallen apart, and USC has jeopardized Clay Helton's job. Uh, consecutive terrible losses to Cal where they were ahead 14-0 and then never scored again, and to a bad UCLA team. So, Pete, in your opinion, does USC, can they can they manage to man up, basically, and make this game close, or is this a Notre Dame route? Notre Dame giving 11 in the Coliseum. I mean, there is no way anyone could have faith in this USC team right now. They have no spirit, no heart, no scheme, no hope. And I mean, it's 11, but it, if that was that spread was 21, I wouldn't have blinked, you know, like, I mean, God, it, it, Notre Dame has been just really drama free, consistent. They move the ball well. I mean, USC may well have better talent and players, but there is just, you know, Notre Dame's a good really it's a really credit Brian Kelly, Jack Swarbrick. Uh, the people in their football front office, when they rebooted two years ago and they brought in Mike Elko, who brought Clark Lee with them, they went and hired Chip Long from Memphis. Notre Dame doesn't exactly have a long history of hiring coaches from Memphis. So it was a little bit out of the box. They developed an identity on offense. They made the difficult decision to switch quarterbacks. A bunch of kids like Tillery and uh, Tavon Coney came back. And look, here they are. You know, here they are right now, and and they're 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 playing as well as anyone. I watched them just maul Syracuse in Yankee Stadium. I mean, Syracuse didn't have a didn't have a chance. Uh, they weren't in that game for a snap. Um, so look, Notre Dame has all the momentum. They have all the scheme. They're disciplined. Uh, that's the one thing that stood out about about USC. They're they're somewhere buried in the hundreds in in the country in uh, in in penalties, which is obviously not the only sign. Here's the thing about penalties all right you're number 121 the teams all around them play a lot more snaps if you're 121 and you're a pro style offense that's like pathetic you know like I mean I I I, if I remember right it's like Nebraska and Texas Tech and and teams like that that are around them right yeah like yeah right Toledo uh yeah, yeah South Florida Arizona a lot of snaps yeah, yeah yes no yeah South Florida actually um yeah, I guess no. They do play that way because they have the uh, the coordinator from Tulsa who went to uh, who, who went to Texas. Um, yeah. yeah, they are, to my knowledge, the only sort of pro style team that that plays a lot less snaps. That's lumped in with the the Bowling Greens and that you know. Look at Florida State sitting right there. You can talk about the epitome of undisciplined, right? So, I mean, they're they're lumped in with some bad company, and then statistically by snap, I would imagine they have to be the worst in the country in penalties. Yeah, no, very good point. I mean, it's it's been a very undisciplined program uh, under Clay Helton, especially this year without the you know the steadying influence of Sam Darnold. It just you know they find ways to lose games. They find ways to to screw them up and to blow them. And you know it shows they're a minus nine turnover margin. 
last three games, their negative turnover margin. Uh, they, you know, as a matter of fact, they have had one game all year, the first game when they were positive turnover margin. That's crazy. Uh, otherwise, they're either even or negative. So uh, I, I do not like USC's chances at all. I think Notre Dame does cover, although it is – you know, it, it is interesting, I and I asked the question in the dash and got a good answer from Douglas Farmer, who does a good job keeping track of Notre Dame for NBC. Uh, when, you know, when was the last time Notre Dame went to Los Angeles and was favored by 11? And he said it was actually uh, 1996. They were favored by 13 and got beaten, lost to, to USC then. So, yeah, things happen. Things happen sometimes yeah. when Notre Dame's in and the Coliseum. And nothing has happened this year, by the way. I hate to harp on this point to our loyal right? listeners. I've called it the uh, 40 theory of inevitable domination because Pat declared in October that no one was ever going to lose ever again. And unfortunately, he's been right. Like, there have been really <laughs> no high-profile upsets, right? Right. Like, yep. there's been a Oklahoma State, West Virginia here. But in terms of teams in the thicket of contention, has there been a paradigm-shifting upset since Purdue, Ohio State? Yeah, no, there has not. Uh, nobody who is in the top four. Maybe was oh yeah, Ohio State was in the top four, but that's the only one. I, I think since the playoff rankings started coming out, nobody's been yeah. in the top four has lost. Uh, other than US yeah. or LSU, but they were playing Alabama. They were supposed yeah, to. Yeah, of course they're so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So. All right, so I'm going Notre Dame. You're going USC out of uh, – is this the, the, the desperation no, I, I hurry-up offense? No, I can't in, in, okay. in my heart take USC, even to be a contrarian. Like, that would just okay. – that would crush my soul. I'd be, like, settling in after covering my game and writing my column to watch your game. And, like, as Notre Dame's kicking, I would just, like, not enjoy my Saturday night that way. So. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'll probably be sitting on the bed in my hotel writing 10 takeaways. So Yes, yeah, you, you, you'll be toiling into the night, I'm sure, as uh, we both will. But, okay, so we're both down with Notre Dame. Uh, it's, you know, it, that's the only common sense pick to make there. Even at 11, it's, it's not a small number. But, okay, uh, let's go up the Pacific Coast then also this weekend. Is that a, I think it's a Friday game in the Palouse. Um, let me find out here for sure. Washington state hosting Washington. And yes, that is a Friday game. Uh, the apple cup has rarely been this important. It's going to decide it is. I've been calling it Ohio state, Michigan light because it's going to decide the division. It's going to decide who's going to be the heavy favorite in the PAC 12 championship game. And it has playoff implications. So kind of the triple crown of relevance here for rivalry that is, is spirited and spunky, but occasionally gets uh, lost in the shuffle amongst so many of them. There is a definite cultural disconnect between Washington in Seattle <laughs> and Washington State out in the middle of nowhere in Pullman. So you, you uh, have distinctly different vibes, distinctly different cultures, backgrounds, towns, and uh, uh, graduates to a degree. So this is the old city slickers against the Cow College. Uh, and the Cow College is favored by three. Mike Leach has done a phenomenal job. They're 10 and one. Their one loss, as we discussed uh, many times on the podcast, controversial nature to USC. And if that had gone otherwise, if a call had been made that should have been made, they'd be sitting undefeated. Wouldn't that be something? But yeah, I wonder where they would be undefeated. Do you think they'd be? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you know, you can't really say how the rest of the season would have unfolded. But yeah. they had they've had two close calls, three close calls since then. They beat Utah by four. They beat Stanford by three. They beat Cal by six. 
Yeah. Um, but otherwise, they've, they've pretty well rolled. Yeah. That's one thing that would scare me about Michigan and why I can almost talk myself into my Ohio State pick is that I don't think they'll have a win over a team in the top 25 that ends the season in the top 25. It's a good question. Like, like, like Penn State may, but right. I'm not sure right. if they're in it right now. We stopped paying attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, Penn State's in there. I'm yeah. Sure. So, yeah. No, uh, I, you know, but that's. They have not been in Michigan State gave them a game, you know, but Michigan yeah. State's obviously long out of the uh, long out of the top 25. Let's see here. Yep. Oh, Penn State's 14. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, uh, eight I mean, three. OK. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know, it's been a weird the rankings because so many teams have three or four losses this year. There's yes. very few teams with zero, one or two. Yes. Um, so there's a definite separation from the teams at the top to the to the sprawling mass of three and four loss teams. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So anyway, well, who are you going to pick, Pat? You pick first. Well, all right. Apple Cup. I will. The one caveat here, and I really thought about picking Washington, even though I, they've been a big disappointment this season, because Chris Peterson has owned Mike Leach. He has beaten him five straight, and the last few have just been beatdowns. But I don't like this Washington team. Uh, not thrilled about the way they've played. Even when they've won, it's kind of been a labor much of the time. And Washington State is playing great and has been great at home. Really, really good at home this season. Uh, won their last game there by 41, uh, undefeated, obviously, at home, and has been a spread-covering monster as well at home. So I am going all in with the Cougs, laying three points to the Huskies and ending Chris Peterson's tyrannical reign over the Palouse. Well, I mean, other than LaVisca Chenault, who's your number one man crush, I don't know if there's a bigger Pat Forty man crush than Chris Peterson. There's not <laughs> been a more consistent person who you've endlessly praised on our podcast. So I hope Chris is enjoying Thanksgiving with his family and not listening to our podcast this week, because I know Chris Peterson is a huge fan of the Race for the Case podcast. Um, <laughs> so that said, I'm all in on Pete. I'll take I'll take Washington if if, if that's uh, if you're going to if you're going to jump on the pirate, if I, I'm going to call you a coward. <laughs> I can't wait to tell you your face, you coward. <laughs> there you go. And I will taunt you with the with the dregs of the bottom of my milkshake, like Mike Leach had with the In and Out Burger at the Pac-12 meetings. <laughs> when 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 you win, if you get if you get a voicemail message uh, on Saturday when you're toiling, or on Friday night when you're uh, when you're when you're icing your arm up from uh, from your from your football from your family football game and all you hear is like milkshake bubbling that will be me taunting you we did have a good time with the uh, the Mike leach pack 12 meeting in and out burger milkshake that was uh, classic <laughs> yes. Mike leach we we discussed that earlier this week on the podcast so that's fine you can you can have the huskies I'll take the Cougs. by the way the yeah the the Chris Peterson man crush goes so far back that he was the offensive coordinator at Boise when I uh, first <laughs> first decided that he was the greatest guy on earth. That, uh, that I, I remember distinctly talking to people there when Dan Hawkins was leaving for Colorado. And I was like, man, you guys, I mean, is this going to be the end of Boise's run? And they're like, no, no, if, if Pete's staying, we're good. We're going to be better. And I was like, really? Okay. And they were right. It was true. So, okay, uh, our last game before we get to our individual locks of the week, which mine are useless, yours are pretty good. But the Iron Bowl, probably the least buzzy Iron Bowl in cool. probably since Chiswick's last year, which was 2012, I believe. Uh, you know, Auburn just 
nobody really has given them much of a chance, and I understand why, because they have been so you know, up and down and largely unimpressive, and the offense has been a big disappointment. Jarrett Stidham, eh. Uh, the running game, not as good. You know, they, they just haven't been able to put it together with any consistency, whereas Alabama has been ruthlessly consistent all season, uh, other than a first half against the Citadel when they clearly were not paying attention. So, uh, <laughs> humongous line here, uh, 24 and a half for an Iron Bowl, but it's still, I think it's a very legitimate line. Which side of it do you want to come down, Pete? Well, I know you're going to take Bama. So I am going to uh, I am going to jump on the most hapless and hopeless Auburn team of the last decade. I am in with Gus, his predictable play calling, his underachieving quarterback, his offensive coordinator who's going to get run. I am all in with the Gus bus, which is sputtering the last embers of diesel fuel as the powers that be at Auburn ponder a thirty two million dollar buyout which they're not going to do, but they certainly pondered it, which says all you need to know about this Auburn team. But that said, funny things happen in the Iron Bowl. We've seen it in the past, and so maybe they can squeak out a 23-point loss. <laughs> I, what look a goal. Forward to, I look forward to not watching any of that game. <laughs> yeah, all right. What a goal. Let's lose by 23, guys. Yes. Uh, now, here's the thing. In the dash, I actually picked Auburn to cover. Oh. But – for the sake of being sporting, <laughs> I will go ahead and take Alabama and give you the chance, give you three chances to cut this thing down. We'll see if you can get all three of these right and I get them wrong. But I'll go uh, ahead and take Alabama. The I true think- Thanksgiving spirit, Pat. That, there you, you know, go. You're a, you're a role model and a gentleman. <laughs> I picked Alabama uh, 38-17, but let's say they add another touchdown is 45-17, or even you know they they just they score six touchdowns, end up it's 42-17, but. Uh, the one, my only, my concern there is that this is one of those games that I could see Saban, you know, getting the three touchdown lead and just putting it in park completely. Uh, but with this offense, I hope they don't. Cause I let this been the most fun Alabama team to watch that I've seen this in the Saban era because they yeah. score, they have big plays. They are, I mean, two is a blast. The receivers are fun. So it's the uh, best team that I've covered in the 15 years I've covered national college football. Yeah. I don't think uh, it's close. No, I'm I'm with you right now. Let's see if they can sustain it. Yeah, but, I mean, if they got to they got to finish the job here. But right now, they are a uh, they are a runaway train that cannot yep. be stopped. Yep, yep, I agree. Uh, we'll see if their if their date with history can remain on course here. Uh, but so I will take Bama. You are taking Auburn, and it's time now for our locks of the week. What do you got, Pete? Well, you know, as I perused the locks of the week, I thought, you know, who has nothing to play for? Who's just kind of given up? And I think of Lovey Smith growing out his white beard as a little bit of like a white flag to actually trying. Uh, Lovey Smith's beard to me has been like the least self-aware thing that I've ever seen in covering college football. <laughs> the guy is knocked for not working hard, for like living in Chicago part of the time. He's not engaged. He can't keep staff. Guys are fleeing away. So what does he do? He's like, let's try to look older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll appeal to the recruits, right? Correct. So Northwestern, which has been a plucky but inconsistent bunch, is favored at home by 18. 
Illinois has clearly waved the white flag on this season. Uh, they lost 63 to nothing to Iowa last week. They lost 54 to 35 to Nebraska. And I've got a feeling they aren't going to show up at Northwestern on Saturday feeling revived and spry. I got a feeling they're going to tortoise right into that shell they've been in for the last three weeks, and they are going to get their tails kicked, and Northwestern will march on to Indy. So I like the Cats 28 to nothing. Well, okay. Now, can I supply you a stat here? Yeah. Northwestern hadn't beaten anybody by 18 points this year. That's okay. They haven't played him as bad as Illinois. <laughs> well, that's this. Uh, this is all being true. picked on Illinois' hopelessness. Yeah, <laughs> clearly you are taking a stand against Illinois more than a stand for Northwestern. But that line jumped out to me because I went and looked, and the biggest margin of victory they have had is fourteen points. Pat Fitzgerald's just like, let me win by a field goal, and I'm out of here. But on the flip side, I had to go look at Illinois. Illinois has lost six times. Uh, by 19 or more. So that that's you know this is a a KG line by the uh, by Vegas here is really you know, yeah. Like, I don't think we've been complimentary enough to Vegas. How many times are you watching games and you're like, what was the line? And it's like late in the fourth quarter. It's like, oh, it's exactly what it is. Like I think those guys do a great job. Like oh, I, they're I, unbelievable. I give, I give them a lot of. They've clearly kicked my tail up and down the block this season. So <laughs> um, yeah. I am uh, I'm endlessly fascinated by uh, by that notion. So. Yeah. Well. Okay. That's like here. That's a nice segue into my uh, lock of the week because I don't get the Vegas line at all on North Carolina State, North Carolina, and this is one where they like they clearly they must know something I don't know because I I am taking NC State to crush North Carolina. The line is six. North Carolina State is seven and three. North Carolina is two and eight, and the line is six. And it's not like NC State fans aren't going to show up in Chapel Hill. They only have to go like 10 miles from Raleigh, and they're going to show up because they want to see their team beat their rival to death in their home stadium. So there's going to be plenty of Wolfpack Red there. There's going to be no home field advantage for the Tar Heels. Uh, Larry Fedora is playing out the string. This I thought I thought the line would be 17. It's six. So I am all about NC State, and then we'll figure out what Vegas saw that I didn't see uh, when it all happens and, you know, Carolina loses by three or something. But I'm not getting it, so I'm all over North Carolina State there to uh, finish a very, very good regular season considering all the defensive guys they lost last last year. So I'll say this about that. I'll I'll chime in on behalf of Vegas. Like, NC State is the emptiest seven-win team in America. All right. James Madison, Georgia State, Marshall, Virginia, BC without AJ Dillon at home, at home, um, Florida State and Louisville. Like that's a that's a lot of sludge that they've that they've forged through. Like they lost to Syracuse, they got blown out by Clemson. Um, they obviously lost that horrific end of game to Wake Forest give Wake Forest credit and obviously Newman came in and played his tail off but I just again I I, it's not like I have any great shakes for what UNC has done but when you look at NC State there's not a lot of there there yeah no I mean I I'm yeah I agree I'm not like you know in love with NC State but I hate North Carolina what's the like about them they lost by 22 to East Carolina (laughs) goodness gracious they were the last team to make Miami look good 
Uh, I just, uh, you know, so we'll see. All right. I'm, anyway, I'm, I am taking the or giving the six and not looking back. So we'll find out about that. We'll see how all our picks do, and we'll be back uh, next week. Next week's race for the case will be our last one to pick before the bowl games. We will do a massive bowl blowout that should be a lot of fun. But uh, And I think we we're going to have to, like, just – I'll just lose, and then we can do the bowls over again because I can't take being down this much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's cheese grater on my soul. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just take a knee and end it. I understand. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm good. Me and Lovey. Me and Lovey will just – I'm growing my white beard of, uh, of apathy. <laughs> The white beard of apathy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will figure out something fun to do for the Bulls. We'll have to do like a Bull yeah. Spectacular or something. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have something good for the Bull games for sure. Uh, but the, uh, next week, the last one, we'll do the championship games. Uh, but we will be back, obviously, for Overreaction Monday after a huge, huge weekend. And uh, hopefully you all have a very good Thanksgiving weekend. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>